Hey guys, welcome to Christ Community Church. Um, if you're worshiping with us online, if you're worshiping here with us this morning, thank you guys for being here, braving the elements, those of you who are here getting out. Um, it's, it's a joy to be with you. It's a joy to have those of you guys who are worshiping online. Thank you to our teams uh, who got up early as they do every Sunday morning, but especially a, a Sunday morning like this with all the snow and the ice and uh, came out to serve us. And so thank you guys for being here. Uh, I'm Josh, one of the pastors here. Uh, and we are going to be continuing our series today. We're actually concluding our series today through the I Am Statements of Jesus. So if you've been with us since the beginning of the year, you know that we've been walking through these statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John about who he is. And, and by extension, because Jesus is God in the flesh, not only who he is, but who God is. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And today we come to the last of these statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 15, where he says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. So let's listen to what he says. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide or remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine. And the question is then, what's, what's he getting at with this metaphor? Like if it wasn't the middle of winter, and if you and I just imagine we're walking with Jesus through the vineyards across the street, and, and we're walking along, and Jesus reaches out his hand, and he touches the vines, and he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Like what do you think he'd be saying to us? And, and, and I got to admit, I don't know hardly anything about vineyards or grapes or farming. I know there are a lot of you guys who could teach me a lot about those things. But, but at the very least, what Jesus is saying here is he is saying, I'm the one who gives you life. I'm the source of your life. If you want to have true life, if you want to have the life that is really worth living, then you've got to be connected to me. You got to be united to me like the vine gives life to the branches. I have come to give you life. I have come to make you truly and fully alive. Now think about it. That's what we all want, isn't it? We all want a life worth living. We don't just want to be physically alive. We don't just want to exist and take up space. We want to be fully alive. And Jesus says, that's what I have come to give you. I have come to make you fully alive. This is what we're all hungry for. This is what we all want. And we look for it in all kinds of places. We look for it in our families. 
We look for it in relationships. We look for it in substances. We look for it in hobbies. We look for it in money. We look for it in religion. You go into the bookstore, and our bookstores are filled with books about how to get the life that really counts. You log on to social media, and our social media feeds are filled with with advice about how to be happy in life, about relationship advice, about the latest success secret or the latest diet secret that will make you truly alive. And we think, if I can just get that thing, if I can get that job, if I can get that person, if I can take that vacation, if I can lose that weight, then I'll truly be alive. But Jesus says, no, I'm the one who has come to make you truly and fully alive. And even the best of all of those other things, none of them can make you fully alive. I have come to give you life. So that's the fundamental question we're all after. Like, that's not just a religious question, that's a human question. How can I be fully alive? And Jesus says, I want to show you that. I want to show you how to have real life. Let me show you how to have deep, life-giving change at the core of who you are. Let me make you fully alive. And friends, that's not just individually, that's what we're after as a church, That's why we exist as a church. As a church, we don't just exist to get more people in the door. We don't just exist to build a religious organization. We don't just exist to make people religious or to make people moral or to make people more successful. We exist to see Jesus make people fully alive. And that's what Jesus shows us in this passage today. He's going to show us three things about true life in this passage. He shows us the source of true life, he shows us the practices of true life, and he shows us the goal of true life. First thing, the source of true life, again, verse one, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I am, he says, the true vine. Now, that metaphor might sound kind of strange to us today, but it would have made perfect sense to Jesus' disciples. Because you gotta remember, Jesus was a Jewish man. And his disciples were Jews. They were were part of the people of Israel. And the vine is a metaphor from the Hebrew scriptures that God uses for the people of Israel. Isaiah chapter 5, God says this. He says, the people of Israel are like a vine. And I have loved them and I have cared for them. And I have planted them and I have fed them and I have watered them. My people who I have loved for myself and yet they haven't borne fruit. You haven't lived the life that I've called you to live. Now, these were the good people. These were the religious people. These were the people of God. These are the chosen people who worshiped him in his temple. And he says, but you haven't lived the life that I've created you for. So then Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I am the vine. And if you want to bear fruit, if, if you want to have the true life that God's created you for, then you've got to abide. You've got to remain. You've got to be connected to me. It's not about what ethnic group you're a part of. It's not about your religious rituals. If you want to bear fruit, I need to be the source of your life. As a branch can't bear fruit on its own, you can't sustain your own life. 
But he says, if you're connected to me, you will bear fruit. Now, what does that mean? Like, we don't talk about that today. What does it mean to bear fruit? He says, you're going to grow. He says, you're going to flourish. He says, you're going to be alive. You're going to be what you were created to be. As a human being, we have been created to bear fruit. Genesis 1.27, when God creates human beings, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful, bear fruit. But the problem is that we've turned our backs on God. We've been unfruitful. We haven't lived the lives that he created us to live. And Jesus says, if you want to become the person that God created you to be, if you want to experience fully human life as God intended for you to experience it, then I've got to be the source of your life. Because as we've said over the past few weeks, Christianity is not first and foremost about theological knowledge. Or, or, or ethical living or religious practices. It's not just about thinking the right things and doing the right things. The thing is, the people, the religious people in Jesus' day, they did that. Like they knew their Bibles. They practiced outward obedience. They did all these religious things. They memorized the scriptures. They gave money to the poor. They prayed and they fasted. And those are all good things. But Jesus says there's no life there. Because they're not connected to the vine. They're not connected to me. So I don't know if you're a Christmas tree person. I know some people like to leave their trees up a little longer, especially during the dark and the cold of the winter months here. So I don't know if you're a real tree person, an artificial tree person, a no tree person. But sometimes I think that we treat the Christian life kind of like we treat a Christmas tree. So imagine this. Let's, let's imagine that we go out to one of these Christmas tree farms around here, and, and you get your tree, and you load it up, and, and I get my tree, and I somehow tie it to the top of my Pontiac vibe, and, and I get it home, and we set our trees up in our living rooms, and then what do we do? We decorate them. We, we string up the lights and the garland and the popcorn and the star and the angel or however you do it, and you step back, and you admire it. Makes you feel all warm and happy and merry and all those different kinds of things. But here's the thing. What's that tree going to look like in four weeks? It's going to be a house fire waiting to happen. There's going to be needles scattered all over your living room floor. It's going to be an absolute mess. And the only thing at that point that it's going to be good for is for throwing into the fire. Why? Because you've cut the roots. You've cut it off from the source of life. And the thing is, it is so easy for us to take that same approach in our spiritual lives where we do all the right things, where we look good on the outside, but we're not connected to the life source. We're not connected to the root. We're not connected to the vine. There's no real personal relationship with Jesus. And in reality, we're just decorating a dead tree. And it might look good for a while, but over time, it'll crash and burn. Listen, at its core, Christianity is about knowing Jesus and being transformed by Jesus, and being so united to Jesus that his life begins to pulse through us. That's what's happening in John chapter 15. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to rise from the dead, and he promises to his disciples, because this is a really scary time for them. He promises, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send my spirit to live inside of you. I will be with you because my very spirit will live inside of you. And I think for most of us, we don't realize how astounding that is. That is utterly unique among the religions of the world. No other religion even claims this. 
Like, think about the other religions of the world. None of them claims to have a personal relationship with their followers. Muslims do not claim to have a personal relationship with Muhammad. Buddhists do not claim to have a personal relationship with Buddha. Jews don't claim to have a personal relationship with Moses or Abraham. But Christians claim to have a personal, right here, right now, living, vibrant relationship with Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, think about that. I woke up this morning and talked to a first century Jewish carpenter. We believe that he is here with us right now. We believe he sent his spirit to live inside of us so that we can know him and be changed by him. Jesus says, knowing me is the core of what it means to follow me. As we've said over and over again, John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So that's the source of life. But how does that happen? Like, like how does that practically happen on a daily basis? Because the reality is, yes, Jesus is here, but I don't see him. So I can, how can I be with him on a daily basis? And that's where you got to move to the second point. So Jesus is the source of life, but he also gives us practices to experience true life. Practices of true life. He, he tells us about these practices that help us connect with him. I mean, I mean think about any relationship, right? In any relationship, there are things that you do to connect. Think about a friendship. Think about your spouse. You, you do certain things to connect. Like maybe you like working out together, watching movies together, cooking together, hiking together. Tracy and I have three young kids, so we fold laundry together. That's, that's how we connect at this point in our lives. But whatever it is for you, that's what we're talking about with these spiritual practices, they're not things that we do to try to earn God's love or to try to make ourselves a better person. They're things that we do to connect with Jesus. It's where we encounter him. It's where Jesus has said, those are the places that I will meet you. And there are three places that he highlights here. These aren't the only places, but this is the core of how we encounter Jesus on a daily basis. He promises to meet us in his word. He promises to meet us in prayer. And he promises to meet us as we follow him in obedience. First, he meets us in his word. Look at verse seven. If you abide in me, and what does that look like? And my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. So, so Jesus says, the way that you abide in me is by letting my words abide in you. This is how, how the branches take root in the vine, by letting the words of Jesus take root in our hearts and our lives. It's how we encounter him on a daily basis, by having his word abiding in us. Now, now notice this here. Jesus does not say, if you read my word. He doesn't say, if you know my word. He doesn't say, if you can explain my word. He doesn't say, if you can preach my word and study my word and listen to sermons on my word and parse the Greek verbs in my word. He says, if my words abide in you. See, studying and reading and understanding and all of those are important things. But there are people who know a lot about the Bible who don't know Jesus. Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a story about this. He says uh, a farmer went out to sow seed, and he went out and he kind of threw the seed into the air and scattered it all over the place, and it, and it landed on the soil, and, and some of it landed on the soil along the road. And the birds came, and they ate it up. And some of it landed on rocky soil, the soil with a little bit of topsoil on top, but bedrock underneath. And, and the plants sprung up, but then they died out because they had no root. And some of it landed among the soil that had thorns and, and weeds in it, and the weeds choked it and made it unfruitful. 
And then he says, some of it fell among good soil, and it grew up and it yielded fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And then he explains it. He says, the seed is my word, and the soil is your hearts. And then he says these words. He says, be careful how you hear. Be careful how you listen. Man, that's a, like for people here in church on Sunday morning or watching online, for people like us in America who have access to more biblical teaching than anybody in the history of the world, that is really important stuff for us to hear. Be careful how you hear. Be careful how you receive and respond to my word. Let my words take root in your heart and your soul and your life and let them change you. This is why we come to the scriptures. We don't study the Bible because we want to know more stuff. We don't read the Bible to get a little chicken soup for the religious soul. We, we study the scriptures because we want to know Jesus. We want to encounter him. We want his words living inside of us and changing us at the core of our being to make us fully alive in him. He meets us in his word. Second place, Jesus meets us in prayer. Look again at verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, there's this dialogue going on here. Jesus meets us as we receive his word and then he meets us as we respond to him in prayer. See, your relationship with Jesus should be a conversation. Jesus speaks to you in his word. His words abide in you. They take root in your life. And then you respond back to him in prayer. You talk to him. You ask him for help. For me, this is one of the most important things that I've done to cultivate a relationship with Jesus. Like, do you ever find it difficult to pray? I'll be honest, like, I am a terrible prayer. My mind wanders, I fall asleep, forget what I'm doing. And sometimes it's just like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to say to the God of the universe. And so here's what I do. I let him start the conversation. I come to the Bible and I, and I read his word and I think about his word and I meditate on his word and then I respond to him. I respond to what he has said to me in his word. Like, like just this past week, I'm in this passage, John 15, and I read it and I just have to respond honestly to Jesus. Like, Jesus, I'm struggling Jesus, I'm, I'm sick of the selfishness and the sin that keeps living inside of me. I need you to change me. I need you to fill me with your life. Help me to abide in you. Help me to, to have your words abiding in me. Change me at the core of my being. Sink the roots of your word deep into my heart and make it bear fruit in my life. I prayed for myself. And then, then I prayed for you this week. Jesus, do this with Christ Community Church. Sink the roots of your word deep into the hearts of our church. We, we can't bear fruit on our own. We can't love you, God, and love our community and serve our community as you've called us to on our own. We need you to plant your word deep inside of us and cause us to bear fruit for our joy and for your glory. Like, do, do you see what's happening there? It's a conversation. I'm, I'm simply listening to Jesus and responding back to him. But I don't ever want the conversation to be one-sided, right? It's not just me talking to God. It's not just God talking to me. Jesus reveals himself, and I respond to him. He meets us in his word. He meets us in prayer. But it doesn't stop there because God's word bears fruit. 
God's word changes us. God's word produces obedience in us. That's the third place. Jesus meets us as we follow him in obedience. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, if you sit and you chew on verse 10 for a while, that is an absolutely mind-blowing statement. Jesus says, I love you as much as the Father loves me. Like, do you know what God the Father was doing before he created the world? He was loving the Son. He was was absolutely in love with his Son, and the Son was in love with the Father with an eternal, unbreakable, unstoppable love. And then Jesus says, the way that God the Father loves me, that's the way that I love you, with an eternal, unstoppable, unbreakable love. And he says, here's how you'll abide in my love. Here's how you'll remain. Here's how you'll experience and sink your roots deep down into the soil of my love. By keeping my commandments. Which sounds really weird. But he promises to be with us where we follow him. That's why we want to keep Christ's commandments. That's why we want to follow him. Because we want to be where he is. We want to experience the depths of his love for us. When Jesus called his first disciples, he didn't tell them where he was going to lead them. And think about this in your own life. If you've been following Jesus for a while, when I first started following Jesus, Jesus didn't tell me exactly where he would lead me. I didn't know how how long the road would be. I didn't know how difficult it would be. He didn't tell me about the people that I would meet along the road. He didn't tell me about the beautiful things that he would show me. He didn't tell me all of what he was going to do in my life to make me bear fruit. He simply said, follow me. And he said, I am with you always. And honestly, that's enough. That's enough. Because even when obedience is hard, even when it's costly, it is worth it. Because Jesus is with me. Because getting him, being with him is better than anything else we might give up. And friends, some of us today are asking questions about whether we're going to follow Jesus. Maybe you're asking that for the first time in your life. Maybe you're asking that for the 10,000th time in your life. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you're saying, I don't know if I can follow him right here. What's it going to mean? What's it going to mean for my marriage? What's it going to mean for my bank account? What's it going to mean for my sexuality? And listen, I can't tell you everything that Jesus has in store for you, but I can tell you that following him is worth it because he is better than anything else you might lose. That's why we follow him. That's why we walk with him because we want to obey him and to be with him. We don't obey to make him love us. We obey because he loves us and we wanna be with him and experience his love. Scripture Prayer, obedience, those are the practices of true life. It's where we meet him on a daily basis. It's how we experience his life pulsing through our veins. And look what this produces. Look at the goal of true life. Why why do we do these things? What's what's the goal? Why do we want to live a life that bears fruit? Well, verse 8 says we do it for the glory of God. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, you might not know it, but that's what you were created for. 
You were created to glorify God. You were created to reflect God. That's what it means to be a human being, created in the image of God, to be a little reflection of who God is. That's the fully human life. Listen, you're not an animal. You're not simply a random collocation of atoms. You're not simply an accident of biology. You are a human being created to know and love and reflect God. And Jesus came to give you the truly human life you were created for. But it's not just the glory of God. It's also about our joy. See, God's glory and our joy go together. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Why do we let his words abide in us? Why do we come to him in prayer? Why do we walk in obedience? Why do we want to be with Jesus? Because that's where joy is. Psalm 1611, in your presence, God, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Jesus promises to give us his joy. And that doesn't mean that life will always be easy. Sometimes it's hard. In fact, it was the joy of Jesus that led Jesus to the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, that's why he went to the cross, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, friends, the joy that Jesus gives is a joy that endures. It's a joy that lasts. It's a joy that perseveres through the hardest times. The joy of Jesus can't be stopped by pain. The joy of Jesus can't be stopped by disappointment. The joy of Jesus can't be stopped by the cross. The joy of Jesus can't be stopped by death itself. And if you are in Christ, Jesus is absolutely committed to giving you that kind of joy. And he will do whatever it takes to give you a joy that is stronger than death. Look at verse 2. Look how he does it. Starting at verse 1, actually. I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Verse true. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, again, I know nothing about farming or gardening or pruning, but according to Wikipedia, the, the point of pruning is to remove some unhealthy portion from this branch so that it'll actually grow back stronger and healthier. And to the untrained eye, that looks like a waste. Like you watch a gardener pruning a bush, and, and it just looks like, it looks like he's just hacking it apart, and there's all this waste lying on the ground. But the gardener knows what the plant needs to thrive. He knows that if he prunes this branch, it'll draw nutrients from the vine and it'll come back healthier and more fruitful than it was before. And Jesus says, that's what the Father is doing with us. And sometimes it's painful. And sometimes it feels like a waste. And some of you are there right now. We are walking through hard times. And it feels like God's knife is cutting you. And you don't know why he's doing it. But the gardener knows what you need. And he knows what will make you fully alive. And nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. So that trial that you are going through right now is not a waste. That heartache, that disappointment, 
that pain, that difficult marriage, that soul-shattering divorce, the loneliness that you feel in your singleness, the heartache over your kids, the frustrating job, the sickness, the loss of that loved one, the ongoing trauma from the hell that you've experienced in the past, the difficult things that you will experience in the future. Friends, none of it is wasted. Your loving Father wants to use it to make you more fully alive than ever before. Sometimes when we experience the pain of life, we can't see any good reason, and we don't know why God is doing what he is doing, but he is with us, and he is calling us to be with him. The vine is drawing you to himself to give you vine. And so the question is, will you let him? Will you trust in him and depend on him? It's fascinating if you look at verse two, because the gardener, the vine dresser, the father, he cuts every branch. Like, do you notice that? There are the branches that bear fruit and there are the branches that don't bear fruit, but they all experience the knife. Every branch experiences something that is painful and difficult in life, but it's only the branches that are in the vine that survive. Disappointment, pain, heartache, this is all part of life. It is inescapable, but the question is, will it kill you or will it make you more fully alive? And if you're trying to do it in your own power, and if you're trying to do it by living life your way, and if you're trying to do it in your own strength, that knife will kill you because you're not connected to the source of life. But if you're in the vine, if you're connected to Jesus, if you're drawing life from him, God will use even your suffering to make you bear fruit. And even when it feels like life is killing you, God will be using it to make you more fully alive than ever before. Jesus says, I am absolutely committed to your joy. I am absolutely committed to making you a person who radiates the glory of God. I am absolutely committed to making you fully alive so you can trust me. Even when the knife cuts deep, you can trust me. And here's how we know we can trust him. Because Jesus experienced the knife of God for us. Jesus was pierced in our place. That's how committed he is to our ultimate joy and our ultimate life. Because our sins had cut us off from God. Our sins had cut us off from the source of life. But Jesus was cut off so that we wouldn't have to be. Jesus was cut off so that we could be grafted into the vine, so that we could find life in him. Jesus was cut off so that we could experience true life. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death and hell and he sent his spirit to live inside of us so that we could experience the fully human life in him, so that we could know him, so that we could be with him, so that we could abide in him and find true life in him. You know, there are a number of ways and a number of places that Jesus promises to meet us. And, and one of the primary places that, that we experience the presence of Jesus, one of the primary places where he reminds us of his love and shows us his love is in the Lord's Supper. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. And, and as we do, um, hey, hey, Patty, could someone grab me? Thank you so much. Thank you, Joanna. We're taking the Lord's Supper, and I forgot about it. All right, so the Lord's Supper is one of those places where Jesus promises to meet us. 
He promises to be present with us. So you look at this. This, this is ordinary bread, kind of ordinary bread. Uh, it's, it's ordinary juice. There is nothing magical about this meal. But Jesus says that this meal is how we proclaim his death until he comes. He says it's like a visual sermon. This meal that we're about to take, this bread and this cup, it's preaching to us. It's reminding us of the love of Jesus. It's reminding us his body was broken for us. His blood was spilled for us. He forgives us. He is with us. And so if you're trusting in that, if you're trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection, not if you're a strong person, not if you're a good, upstanding, moral person who does all the right things, if you're depending on Jesus to be your life, then he invites us to eat and drink with him today. And maybe that's not true for you. Maybe you got questions about that. And I would love to speak with you after the service if you got questions about that. But, but be, be honest with yourself. What's keeping me from experiencing life in him? And so if we're trusting in the, in the forgiveness of Jesus and his body and blood to make us right with God, then let's eat and drink together. So peel, peel off that top layer there. Take out that piece of bread. The scriptures tell us that the Lord Jesus... On the night in which he was betrayed, before he went to the cross, he took bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat and remember Jesus. In the same way also, after he had eaten, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is poured out for many for the forgiveness of of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink and remember Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you gave your body to be broken for us. You gave your blood to be shed for us. Even as we take this bread and it goes down our esophagus, into our, into our stomach. Even as, even as we drink this, this cup, we're reminded that you are with us, that by your spirit, you are in us, that, that even more than food, even more than drink, you are the source of our life. You're the only one who can give us the truly human life that we've been created for. God, so often we look for life in other places. We look for happiness and joy and meaning in all of these other places. And we think if we can just have that other thing, then we'll really be happy and then we'll really have life. And we come away from all those other things disappointed time and time again. But I thank you that you bring us back. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray that as we have heard your word right now, I can't make your word bear fruit, God. I can't make it bear fruit in the hearts of everybody who's here. I, I can't even do it in my own heart. I need you, Lord. I need you to make your words bear fruit in our hearts. Would you sink, sink our hearts, sink the roots of our hearts deep into your word. Let us find life in you. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, thirdly, our key verse, remember the words of Jesus abiding in us is how we experience his life and his love. So key verse this week, John chapter 15, verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so let's take that verse this week. Let's think on it. Let's memorize it. But then let's also pray, God, make these words abide in me. Make these words bear fruit and take root in my life. So John 15, 5, to send you guys out with our prediction, a word of blessing from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Peace be with you. Have a great week.